listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Bible Church of Paragool. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagool.com. So here's what I've decided to do in the short time we have left is to share with you five things God is teaching me in the first two years of this church plant. Not things that he's taught me, like I've already learned them and I'm good and I can move on, but he's teaching me this. And hopefully this will be an encouragement to you. Um, as well. First thing God is teaching me in the first two years of this church plant is that God's work done God's way will never lack God's supplies. God's work done God's way will never lack God's supplies. I cannot tell you, my wife probably can, but I can't tell you how many nights I've spent worrying about things that are beyond my control uh, with this church plant. Will the money come in? Will people actually show up, right? Will, Will we ever get a building? I mean, what's going to happen? Will we ever be able to raise leaders? And I want you to know, since day one, God has been very faithful to us and he has provided for every single need, hasn't he? I mean, I remember the first time whenever it was, what, 45 of us or 50, we're like, hey, let's get a place to meet on Sunday mornings. Um, but we, we wanted to make sure that we invested in people over programs and buildings. We said, we want a place to meet, but we don't want to spend a lot of money on a building. We're praying for a building, and guess what God gives us? A building for free, right? Bobby Wilson, the manager of this place, calls and says, we heard about you guys. We didn't call him. He called us and said, we want to give you this place for free. And we had a businessman in the city who wasn't even part of our church called and says, heard about what you guys are doing, want to support you. Come to my office, I'll cut you a check. I go there, he gives me a $12,000 check, right? And it was when we needed it. Uh, I mean, over and over, God has provided. Luke was the only one that played an instrument. We thought, will we ever have a praise band? And sure enough, every single week, we have a praise band. Ever since the first Sunday that we open, and they bless us like crazy, don't they? I mean, it's amazing. They get here early every single week and put in so much time. Well, I'm still sleeping. They're up here, man. And so it's, it's amazing. I, I think about, you know, we've always said from the beginning, we want to be a church that plants churches. And usually, if you don't plant a church within the first three years of your existence, you don't plant a church. Here we are at year two, and we have three families from different parts of the country that are here to plant churches through us. God continues to provide. And I want to share that with you because some of you this morning, you're worried about your finances you're worried about maybe your health issues. You're worried about the fact that your kids are acting like midget demons and you don't understand, like, why are they acting the way that they're acting? And you're trying to control and manipulate the situation. But if you will just trust that when you do God's work His way, He will provide. He will meet your needs. I promise you. Um, second thing is this. God is teaching me not to compromise on the convictions He's given me for the sake of making everyone happy. No offense. I'm not to compromise on the convictions or the vision God has given me for the sake of making everyone happy. Here's the truth. We will not keep everyone that comes into our lives. Sitting here today, uh, how many of you, by the way, raise your hand if you were not here last year's big birthday celebration. Raise your hand. You see that? That's like probably 75% of the room. Okay? But there are some people that are not here this year that were here last year. Uh, People are going to come and some people are going to go. And here's why. Because we stand for something with strong conviction. And not everybody's going to stand for what we stand for. They're not. And they're going to leave and they're going to want to go be a part of something else. And let me tell you my temptation. If I can just be real honest with you. My temptation as a leader is to build up a big church to make me look good. Sometimes. To to give me some self-worth. I'll talk about that more in a second. And so therefore I'm sometimes tempted to compromise on my conviction and the vision for the sake of making everyone happy. But I want you to know something. At the moment, that becomes the primary focus of this church. We will cut off any hope of being the church God's called us to be. We will. 
uh, depending on what statistic you read, 60 to 80% of church plants fail within the first five years of the plant. So good luck, church planters. <laughs> 60 to 80%. You're going on a kamikaze mission when you plant a church. Usually churches start out pretty well, and I think it's because they do keep the focus right. Like we're here to reach people for Jesus. But what happens when you begin to reach people? All of a sudden you go from trying to reach people to just trying to keep people. And it becomes about doing whatever is necessary to keep the people there. And you go from being outward focused to inward focused and eventually die from the inside. Listen very carefully, guys. Fellowship Bible Church, Jesus has not ultimately called us to be keepers of an aquarium, but fishers of men. We are called. Our primary purpose is to go and make disciples who make disciples. We have people in the city who are heading towards an eternity apart from the grace and love of God. And they're going to spend eternity in hell. They are lost. They're in addictions. They're having all sorts of issues. They're building their lives on things that are going to destroy them. We're not here to sit around and just eat chips and dip and sing kumbaya and make everybody feel loved. I hope that all happens and it sounds like that is happening. But we are here to reach people who don't know Jesus. We're here to make disciples. And that all sounds good, and it sounds like I never worry about like just trying to compromise, but I do. Even saying that, like, listen to this. Every time someone has left the church, can I confess something to you? Every time someone has left, whether it's been for a good reason or a reason I don't agree with, it's hurt. Every time. Every time. And you know why it hurts? Because when someone leaves, I feel like I failed their family. I take it very personal. I feel like I failed them. And when I feel like I failed that family, I feel like I failed the church. I feel like I'm a terrible pastor. Every time. doesn't matter why they leave. Every time. But you know what God is slowly teaching me? He's teaching me this, that sometimes when people leave, it is our fault, and we need to take ownership of that, and we need to reconcile that and seek for forgiveness if we've done something to hurt someone and make them leave. But sometimes people are going to leave, and what God is actually doing, doing is pruning the branches so the plant can bear more fruit. I'm realizing that. And what Jesus continues to speak to me and be so patient in teaching me is this, is that, Jared, you are in charge of faithfulness. I am in charge of fruitfulness. In other words, Jared, you just be faithful to do what I've called you to do, and you leave the results to me. And the same is true for us. We need to be people that continue to be faithful, continue pressing forward, continue trusting that Jesus is the one building the church. And again, some of you need to hear that today because maybe you're pouring into somebody. You've been investing in a relationship. You're seeking to make disciples. You're trying to love someone, but they've turned their back on you or you're not seeing the results as quick as you wanted. And the temptation is for you to feel that weight and pressure and think it's all on you. And Jesus doesn't want you to carry that today. He doesn't want you to carry that. Listen, guys. You cannot change people's hearts. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can change lives and align people's hearts with this vision. And if we will continue to be faithful, if we will not compromise on the vision God has given us, though some people will leave, it won't be for everybody. If we will stay true to what God has called us to, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Third thing is this. He's teaching me. And man, this is a slow lesson. He's teaching me that my satisfaction and my self-worth are not rooted in my success, but in my Savior. My satisfaction in life and my self-worth are not rooted in my success, but in my Savior. Another confession, I am addicted to achievement and progress. Um, And some of you, you know what I'm talking about as far as that struggle. If I could get this promotion, then I would be happy. 
If my kids could get to this level, then I would feel like I'm a success. If I could get this degree or get these credentials, then finally I will be content and I will be happy when my bank account is this big or, or whatever else. It's the same temptation I have, but in ministry. When we first started the church, I promise you, I said to myself, if we can ever get 50 people, I'll be content. Because at 50 people, that means that we can be an official actually nine church. We got 50 people, and guess what happens? Was I perfectly content with that? Absolutely not. I didn't even stop to celebrate it. I said, I want 75 because the average size church in America is 75 people. I've always been a C average student. I at least want to be a C average pastor. So we need 75. We got 75. It's like, no, I want triple digits. I want 100 people, right? We get 100. Is that enough? No, I want 150. We get 150. Is that enough? Like, no. 10% of churches, only 10% of churches in America are at 200 or above. So I want to be in the top 10% now. So that's what I'm thinking, man. It's like I'm always pushing towards something else, trying to tether my self-worth and satisfaction to that. And I want you to know, look, I want us to grow. I want us to make disciples. I want us to have one missional community per thousand people. But listen, if your self-worth and your satisfaction is found in your achievements, you will be a miserable person because you will never achieve enough, ever. If your identity is rooted in your accomplishments, you will enjoy the day-to-day less and less because you will always be thinking about doing more and more. And maybe some of you are there this morning. Man, if I can finally get my business to this level. If I can finally get a different spouse or a different house or a better car or more money in my bank account, then I will arrive. Can I tell you something? You will never arrive, except in heaven. You will never arrive. The stuff of this earth, no matter how bad or how good you are, you will never find true satisfaction or true self-worth in these things. It's all futile. It'll all fade. That's why I think Jesus said in Luke 10, the 72 disciples, he had sent them, he had sent them out, and they had came back, to, to, to report all that they had done and all the success they had in ministry. You remember the story? He comes back, the disciples come back, and they say, hey, we uh, casted out demons. Hey, look at all this fun stuff we did, awesome stuff. Like, we're growing. Like, people are we're seeing conversions. It's amazing. Like, they're pumped up, right? Kind of like we're pumped up right now about what God has done. And they come back, and they're celebrating all this. And what does Jesus say to them? He says, don't rejoice in that, but rejoice in the fact that your name is written in the book of life. Why does Jesus say that? Because he knows that success is only temporary here. He knows the bar always climbs. And he knows there will be times where we will fail fail miserably. There will be seasons that are dry in this church, right? It will be. And if you find your success in this stuff, it will always be leaving. It will never stay. Our worth is not found in our work. It is found in the work of Christ. We are saved by grace. We are clothed in his righteousness. What that means then that what is true about Jesus is true about us. It means that despite if we ever do anything else, even if this this church folds up, we are still of infinite value and worth before the Father because when he sees us, he sees the Son. And as far as satisfaction goes, what's so great about having Jesus is all of every single one of you in here Everybody in here, you are longing for satisfaction right now. And it's only found in Christ. I'm telling you, I've been on the other side. I lived that life until I was 20 years old. I'm telling you, you will find no satisfaction outside of Jesus Christ. And the great thing is, is when you're a Christian, that wellspring of abundant life is in you. 
You don't have to go to achieve stuff. You don't have to go get more stuff to be satisfied. You can be content with whatever stage you're in right now. And that's something that I am learning. Fourth, there's two more things I'll share. And I shared this one a little bit on our Facebook group on Monday. But, man, this is like the first thing that Chuck even began to teach me and and Luke's constantly reminding me of is this truth that slow is the new fast. Slow is the new fast. Okay, that's not, we don't like the word slow, right? We're Americans. We don't do slow, right? Like, we're a culture built on speed. If you don't believe me, like, go eat out at a restaurant and see how many people are mad when they don't get their water within five to seven minutes. It's like, are you kidding me? I ordered that five minutes ago. Where is it? Right? It's like, we want things right now. And here's something, let me let you know on a secret about, about ministers. Do you know how many ministers measure success? Let me tell you, here it is right here. Many ministers will measure success through the ABCs of ministry. Attendance, buildings, and cash. And whoever gets the most people the fastest, whoever gets the best buildings the quickest, and whoever gets the most cash the fastest, right? They're the ones who's the most successful. None of those things are wrong, but can I tell you something? That's not how you measure success. That's not how Jesus measures success in the scripture. The way Jesus measures success is through making disciples who make disciples. And discipleship, guys, discipleship is not a super highway. It is a crawl. It takes a long time to disciple somebody. It took Jesus three years. I'm pretty sure we're not going to do it much quicker than him. Um, When we planted this church, we said it over and over that we're not trying to buy a new car. We're trying to have a baby. When you buy a new car, it's attractive. Everybody wants to come around and see the, the new car and smell the new car, right? Ride around in the new car. But what happens? The longer you have the car, the more maintenance it takes to keep up the car. And many churches are that way. They're built that way. They're structured that way. We said we're not trying to have a new car. We're trying to have a baby. If you've had a baby, you know, like, a baby is messy. A baby wakes up. All the time, in the middle of the night, for you to feed and care for. You have to clean a baby. The baby gets sick. You have to take the baby. I mean, you know, right? But what happens? You continue to care for the baby. And you feed the baby. You clothe the baby. You nourish the baby. The baby grows and eventually is able to feed itself. And then go one day and have a family, right? And make more children. Like, that's what we're after here. But that's a slow process, And the Lord is constantly reminding me, Jared, slow down. Stop expecting people to grow on your timing and let them grow on my timing. Be intentional, yes. Be deliberate, yes. But be patient. Finally, last thing is Jesus is teaching me to walk by faith and not by sight. Some of you think that's so elementary. I learned that when I was like seven in Sunday school with the the action figure felt bored stuff and all that. But... um, In July, I realized that I was trying to eliminate faith in my life. I was trying to read enough leadership books and listen to enough podcasts and read enough blogs and talk to enough successful leaders that I could do all of this in my own power with my own intellect. And there were times I would realize I would prepare a sermon and I would show up and think, man, I don't even really know if I prayed that much over the sermon, but I bet it's going to be crafted pretty well because I read a book on how to preach a sermon. And try to eliminate faith in my life. And listen, here's the deal. The, the bigger we grow as a church, the more faith we're going to need. Not the less faith we're going to need. You understand? We're going to need more faith. We've not arrived. 
We're going to need more and more faith. God is going to call us to make decisions here. We're going to have to make changes as we grow. We're going to have to hire staff right around the corner. That's coming. Eventually, we're going to outgrow this. We're going to have to look for a building. Do we build? Do we find an existing place? I mean, there's all sorts of decisions. You guys, I know you, you don't think about those things, but there's tons of decisions that need to be made. And we need to know that we're not going to always understand the outcome, how that's going to end up, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't move forward. We need to continue moving forward, not by our own sight, but by faith. I was reminded this past week of the book of Joshua, where the people of Israel are about to enter into the land that God had promised them. And standing in their way is this army that is seemingly, statistically impossible for them to defeat. And God comes to Joshua, who's now the new leader of Israel. Moses is dead, but the train's moving forward, right? And so he comes to Joshua and he says, Joshua, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to give you this army, but it's not going to come through the power of your sword. It's going to come through you blowing trumpets, right? You've heard the story if you've been in Sunday school. And I want you to think about this for a second. Put yourself in Joshua's shoes. He is about to lead a nation, it's like 2.5 million people, into the promised land against this army. His first play call in the huddle is this. Hey, guys, all the training we've been doing, all the stuff you've learned about, all your weapons, put it aside, pick up an instrument. We're going to go blow trumpets, and we're going to bring this mother down. Like, like, like we're going to defeat the army. Could you imagine being the people? Like right now, you're laughing just like, yeah, that's funny, right? And I just imagine like them walking around, like being like, God, this is so stupid. Like, I cannot believe we're doing this. Like, you know, like blowing a trumpet, like... This is unbelievable. This is crazy. I've never seen anything like this. This isn't going to work. And what happens? What happens? The walls just come tumbling down. The victory is sure, and they enter into the promised land. Guys, God is going to call us to do some stupid stuff in the eyes of the world, especially in the context of cultural Christianity where you've not seen some of the things that you're going to be seeing. But if we will stay low before God and trust him, I believe more disciples will be made, more leaders will be raised, and more churches will be planted in such a way that only God will get the credit for it. Every year at our birthday, I want to take the opportunity to replant this church. When I brought the core team up earlier, I didn't just bring them up because I wanted you to hear their stories. I brought them up because I want you to know that now you're the core team. You're the core team. If you consider this church your church, you're the core team. And I just want you to dream with me for a second. If Jesus can do everything that he has done, starting with 11 people, imagine what he can do now starting with these people. I don't know about you, but I don't want my life to pass me by without seeing God move mightily on my behalf. I don't want to just play church. If you, want to do, if you just want a hobby, go get a boat. If you just want to listen to a good sermon on Sunday, go listen to podcasts. You can go to iTunes and look at the top 10 preachers. They're going to be way better than me. You just want to listen to good music, go listen on iTunes. But you want to be a part of changing the city for the glory of God, let's stay low before God and actually take him at his word and see that he will do incredible things through us that are beyond our wildest imagination. Fellowship Bible Church, the best is not behind us, I promise you. The best is ahead of us. It's ahead of us. I want to say happy birthday again to, to everyone. I promise you, I love you. I might not get to be in every one of your lives person, but I love you. I check in on you frequently. I pray for you more than you will ever know. And I know that Luke will agree with me. It's been a great privilege to be one of your pastors over the last two years. I'm excited about what the future holds, and I'm excited about the journey 
that we'll be going on together to get there. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I'm going to ask the band to come forward. We're going to sing another song in celebration. And I just want to pray a blessing over each family that's here this morning. Father, I do thank you so much for everything that you have done in the past couple years. I thank you for the lives that have been changed. I thank you for the disciples that are being made. I thank you for the marriages that have been restored. I thank you for each volunteer. I thank you for each servant. I thank you for each family that is here. I thank you for even those that are here that are looking over the fence and not quite sure if they want to be a part of this family or how much they want to commit. I thank you that they are in our midst. And and Father, our ultimate desire is that Jesus will be made famous in our city. Fellowship Bible Church is not the good news this city needs. Jesus, you are the good news this city needs. And so would you, through the power of your spirit, help us to show this city a picture of what you are really like. We want people in our city to wake up every morning believing that you really are as good as you say you are. I pray for anybody that is here this morning who has not fully surrendered, who has not fully surrendered, who's just playing a game who's looking to the things of this world to satisfy, and they know it's not working, but they don't know where else to look. Holy Spirit, would you be gracious enough to fix their eyes on Jesus, to see how beautiful he is, and that they will give up everything, and that they will enter into the abundant life that you have promised them for their good and for your glory. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.